Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. Sean is out. He's uh, he's going to... He's, I keep having to explain this more than I probably should. So Sean is out. <laughs> you should change to, the story every single time, yes, Seth. He's going to John Lopez's son's uh, wedding this weekend, as am I, but I'm still in. But Sean's got some other things <laughs> planned. Plus, there's like a... There's a pre-party on Friday night that I won't be going to that Sean wants to be at. Yeah. It's up in, up in New York City. So um, that's, that's one of the reasons I'm still here. So we have the uh, presence of John Harris today, Sean Bajani tomorrow. And, John, I know uh, obviously you were there uh, and I was listening to the coordinators speak yesterday. The two new ones most notably – um, Matt Burke, the defensive coordinator, and Bobby Sloak, the offensive coordinator. And I got, I got way more excited than I thought I would, and a lot of it had to do with more just this feeling that I keep getting where, all right, I, I think a lot of coaches in the past – Let's see, Bill O'Brien maybe he talked about alignment, and I never quite actually felt it. Um, I did, I did really feel it from Slowick and Matt Burke, and I felt it from uh, I felt it from Nick Casario and D'Amico Ryan's. This very quickly is just Bobby Slowick talking about how they're going to build their offense and on what basis it's uh, it's based. You know, we're we're an offense built on precision. Um, everybody kind of working together in unison, on time, in rhythm. That's the starting point, but it's not any one given position. We see how it all fits. Okay, so now that got me excited just because of this. Um, I, I've seen so many instances with new football coaches, you know, and I would include, uh, it, I, you know, various coordinators with the Texans in the past. Mike Vrabel, I think, in his first year as coordinator with the Texans. Um, new, new coordinators, new head coaches, where they just try to do too much all at once. Yep. And, you know, Richard Smith, when he was the defensive coordinator for the Texans back in 2006, it was, we, couldn't get the, we couldn't get 11 guys on the field because we were trying to do so much. Yeah. It was awful. Um, I think Slowick and his emphasis on precision probably directly reflects exactly how D'Amico Ryans feels about things. That it's, you, you can be as brilliant as you want to be, but first and foremost, you have to actually execute properly. And it's as simple as that. Yeah, the word precision I thought was, was an interesting one. And when you think about a San Francisco offense, I mean, everybody gets really caught in the, the flash and dash of the, the skill players and all that, but it's just there's, there's motion, there's shifts, there's trades, there's jet motion, there's orbit motion. There's all, I mean, there's all kinds of motions and things happening, and yet when the ball is snapped, you just watch this fine-tuned machine moving, and you're like, yo, I wish my offense could do that and work yeah. in conjunction with one another, that everything is connected, whether you're a detached tight end, whether you're a flexed-out wide receiver, whether you're the back in the backfield or whatever. Everything is all connected, and it has to be so precise to end up on that one play, just yeah. that one play for everything to be moving together, all 11 guys working in concert with one another to pick up five yards. 
Yeah, and that's where I know it gets frustrating for people sometimes when they wonder why aren't teams, why don't teams use motion more often? Because it's been shown over and over again that pre-snap motion is very, very effective. The answer is it's it's way harder to do than it looks because it ends up somebody screws up, somebody makes one mental error, the guys aren't on the same page, and rarely does it work out the way it did for the Chiefs when they lined up wrong, but Pat Mahomes still scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Like usually, usually it ends up being a turnover or a lost play or something like that. And a lot of it just goes back to that. Like you can install as much as you can up to the level where you can still be precise. Yeah. And, and some yes. coaches lose sight of that when they want to be exogeniuses. I don't think we're going to have to worry about Bobby Slowick like trying to impress everybody with his X's and O's knowledge. I think the fact that he mentioned precision very early in his press conference made me feel a lot better about him as a first-time coordinator. You know, what, what comes to mind, when I, whenever I think of motion, I think about getting absolutely hammered by the Rams in 21 here. There was a stretch of games against the AFC West uh, in that year of 21. And or it was not just AFC West, but it was Buffalo. And you know, the Buffalo game was in pouring down rain. It was just it was a miserable day. But I remember the Rams distinctly because Bobby Trees, a.k.a. Robert Woods, and Cooper Cup would go in motion. And every time that they would go in motion, they would be right at the spot at the mesh spot between the running back, the quarterback. So you got the quarterback taking a snap at the same time Coop, Coop, uh, Cup or Woods is going across, and then he's putting the ball into the belly of the running back. Now, is that play action? Is yeah. it a handoff? Is it some sort of push pass? And then all of a sudden the motion kind of gets in the way, so you can't quite see it, and it's that split second that you need, and then all of a sudden they ran all day on us. Yeah. And I thought, and you look at that and go, gosh, we could do that, but – to your point, you know how hard that is? Oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's so hard incredibly to do, hard yeah. to time that up the same way all the time. And they did it so precise with a guy that had been a quarterback there for a year. It's hard to do, and this is a really hard part of it, is it's hard to do it without the defense getting a beat on it throughout the, the right. game and figuring out, okay, when it's real and when it's fake, when you're running, when you're passing. A lot of that goes back to like the attention of the detail of your receivers. Like A lot of right. that, you can tell – you can tell when uh, a pass isn't a pass when the receivers are completely checked out. You know, like okay, there's no <laughs> yeah. pass right here because the receivers jogged out of the huddle. Is like looking up in the stands as they're lined up, and now all of a sudden the back seven has a feel for exactly. Even if they don't consciously pick it up, they can tell there's no there's no urgency in the passing game, and it's probably going to be a, a run. Like that's the kind of stuff that I know. Kubiak and those guys pay attention to that a lot of the other guys that are wannabe exo geniuses don't. Um, the other part that Sloak said is something we've heard a lot, but I just I like hearing about the genuine alignment between Bobby Slowick on the offensive side and D'Amico Ryan's on the defensive side. Here's him talking about what the offense will be like. You know, a lot of the scheme is you have a system, you have a philosophy, um, and for us at the Texans. It kind of is a whole team. It's not just one specific side of the ball. You know, D'Amico always says swarm. That applies to offense also. Everything we want starts with are we fast, are we physical, are we tough? Um, and that, again, is when you turn on the tape of our offense, that's what you want to see. That should be the first thing that jumps out to you. Yeah, and uh, so when he says that, turn on the tape immediately, I think of the 49ers. Yep. And, like, and, and this is where I got – I started watching the 49ers halfway through the season because I just wanted to do a little YouTube project about D'Amico Ryans. And, and I fell in love with the team because I started watching them every week. And, and it was just – it was it was a bloodbath. Mm-hmm. Like, they were just physically bullying people on offense and on defense. And it was – and you talk about precision. Like, in the screen game, mm-hmm. the offensive line is – Per, like perfectly placed and aligned out on the perimeter by the time the screen is thrown. Like all of this stuff that puts them in position to physically bully people, and it all goes back to that precision. So it, it was hard for me not to get excited yesterday when Slowick is saying to turn on the film, and I'm thinking about, yeah, yeah. I, I watched these guys on offense, I watched them on defense, and those coaches are really obsessed with putting their players in a position to bully other defensive teams or b- bully the opponent. And, like, yeah, I want the Texans to look like that. Yeah, I want, te- I want the Texans to be a big old bully. I mean, that's yeah. – when he, he said, when you watch us on tape, we want you to feel that. They feel that, that bulliness, if you will, like, yo, this is going to not be fun. And that, I would imagine, is the way that a lot of teams looked at the 49ers. When they put the 49er film on – they went, 
okay, buckle up, Sparky, because they're going to hit us all day. Or yeah, at least that's that what it feels like. like. Those are like, yeah, teams that played the 49ers are like winless the next week in their <laughs> games because they were just physically bludgeoned by the 49ers. Yeah, and, and that's what I hope we end up getting to. Um, yeah. We get to that point where we, you walk in that building, and, and there was a time where, you know, back in 11 and 12, like, especially against that defense, but I mean, the offense too, it's, it's so interesting. I, <laughs> I went back for some reason, I went back. On a Saturday one day, I was trying to figure out what to watch. And for some reason, the Atlanta Falcons game from 2011 popped in my head. And I was like, man, I want to go watch this game. And I've got NFL Plus. And so you can go back, I think, all the way to 2009. So I pulled up the 2011 game. Man, that was a different game. I can imagine being a defensive lineman back in those days. Man, you were getting cut on the backside. I mean, Wade and 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 those guys, Wade and Dwayne, are cutting you on the backside of a run, yeah, a zone yeah. run away. I mean, like, holy cow. It's a different game. You're not but, allowed to do that anymore, right? No, yeah. but just watching that defense, and I shouldn't even say that, watching that team and how physical it was, like you could sense it, like, man, this game is incredibly physical, and the Texans are the one on top of that. That's the kind of team that I want to see on the field. I want this team to be, you know, the big bully that walks in. You're like, you better, you better buckle up against these guys because it's going to be a long day, but I don't want it to be this just, you know, physical mosh pit. But yet the offense can't do anything because, to your point, Seth, it's not precise. They don't right. look good. They can't use motion. They can't put anybody in any way, shape, or form in a movement capacity because it's just not. Uh, it's just not precise, and that's what Bobby Slowick said yesterday. It's interesting because as you were talking, Matt Burke actually said this. And I wish I knew the exact clip, but Matt Burke talked about Jim Jim Schwartz. He talked about Jim Schwartz being his mentor. And he said at, he left Schwartz and he went and he became the defensive coordinator with the Miami Dolphins. And then he got back with Schwartz. So he'd gone to the Bengals and the Dolphins. He got back with Schwartz, I think, at some point. And he said, I realized I was doing too much when he got back with Schwartz. And he yeah. said he had that that epiphany of, Man, I was doing too much. And I think that's the one thing. Like, if I ever went back to coach, that would be the one thing I would keep in mind, too. Because the moment I had when I went from being what I felt was a you know a decent coach to being a much better coach was when I realized that, man, I'm giving my players too much to think about, to do. We've got to be more precise. We've got to be better at what we do well as opposed to doing all these millions of things Let's do better at what we do well and see where that puts us. And all yeah. of a sudden, we played faster. We played more physical. And then, at that point, I was able to add a tiny wrinkle. But that wrinkle, like motion, would end up being something that really paid off in, in a big way. And that was what I learned. And, I, and Matt Burke said that yesterday in his press conference. And I was just I was just out in the congregation like, amen, yeah, <laughs> preach, yes, well, less is know, more, when, let's do it. <laughs> when, you, when you talk about that preparation of coaches or learning how to be a head coach, it, Kyle Shanahan has had a good run of it. And I think yep. sometimes – I've been guilty of this. Sometimes you boil it down to more the the Kubshanistani scheme yeah. more than anything else where you forget. And I think for a long time people thought of Kyle Shanahan as this this nice pleasant looking boy who's the son of a coach and uh he's just he is almost too nice to be a head coach. You start to hear stories about how much he drives his assistant coaches yeah. and it's there's way more to it. He's a good dude, don't get me wrong. Um but Slowick talked about how, how how Shanahan prepares his coaches, including himself. Kyle would make sure that you were ready when it was your time. And he put a lot on you in a good way. Um, he would make sure that you were seeing the game he saw. And if you weren't, you would have a conversation. We would talk about it. And, you know, again, it really enabled you to grow as a coach, which was uh, I was very fortunate to be in that spot. You know, and, and, and one other thing he talked about, too, yesterday was him and D'Amico coming in at the same time as quality control coaches. And, and D'Amico sounding very much like, yeah, he went through like he was any other quality control coach, not D'Amico Ryans, the former NFL player. Right. And, like, and got that indoctrination into things of working at the bottom level. And it was cool to think of those two guys coming in and, and getting that same, basically, apprenticeship. Yeah. I, when you brought that up, it made me think about this fact. 
take Mike Vrabel out of this equation. When was the last time that you saw a former Texans assistant get a a big a big job somewhere else? In fact, try and think of one in which it's not connected to Vrabel because Tim Kelly just took over as the offensive coordinator. I mean, a big, uh, uh, so a former Texans assistant coach yeah. going to get a big job somewhere yeah. else. Well, has yeah. there, I mean, when was the last time a former Texans assistant got a head coaching job in the NFL? When was the yeah. last time you saw a position coach go become a coordinator in the NFL? Yeah. And I mean, uh, I mean, there's a, like George Godsey was a coordinator here, and then he was a co-coordinator. You know, and Tim right. Kelly, same thing. But those guys are coordinators who have become other coordinators. Right. But yeah, I, yeah, the elevation from assistant coach to coordinator, I can't think of one. Right. Uh, from Bill O'Brien on. And to my point. And to yeah. my point, and that is Kyle Shanahan understood that for his staff to get the mo to get the most out of his staff, he had to have guys, and he wasn't scared of having guys in that in that coaching staff, in that coaching office, that he knew he was gonna lose. He knew he would lose D'Amico Ryan's at some point. It didn't stop him. He kept bringing in guys that were gonna be attractive to NFL teams. And so he was giving them pieces to be able to take to other NFL teams. And I love having that. And I hope that D'Amico Ryans thinks that same way. Because I'm not sure that every coach here in Houston is thought that way. I think that if D'Amico Ryans thinks that way, he's thinking of Bobby Slowick being a head coach at some point. He's thinking at Matt yeah. Burke being a head coach at some point. That a position coach that he added on staff like Gerard Johnson can end up being a hotly sought-after offensive coordinator at some point in the league, whether it's in Houston and hopefully it is in Houston at some point um, or otherwise. I don't know that that was always the case, but I feel like with D'Amico, that's what he was looking for, that that was maybe the one thing he took from Kyle maybe the most, and that is surround yourself with a staff that maybe you don't know everybody, and maybe you're not comfortable with everybody, but you know that guy's a good coach, a good teacher, and you know he's got a great future. Yeah, And you can be part of crafting that future going forward. And, oh, by the way, it makes the Texans greater. Obviously, the Texans will become much better at that point um, if you have those type of coaches in your stead. And I feel like hopefully that's what D'Amico is building with this staff. And I got that feel from Bobby Slowick and Matt Burke yesterday. I don't know if they become head coaches. I, I don't know what the, the future is. But when I thought about the staff and I thought about listening to them, I felt like that's what D'Amico was looking for were those kind of guys. And maybe you learned that from Kyle, or maybe that was just something you learned along the way. But it seems to go without saying, but I think we have to say it. You bring in great coaches that you know have futures because those guys are going to benefit your program and your organization. Hopefully that's what, what D'Amico and Nick Sarah have done. Well, and Bobby Sloak, I'd say one thing that I'd thought yesterday was I had seen previous interviews of them, and I hadn't really thought of him as a guy that was probably going to be thought of as head coach material. Um, yesterday, I thought he maybe looked a little bit more like a guy I could see become a head coach. Part of it is he's he's 35, but he's got a very boyish appearance and demeanor to him. Yes, yes. It might It might be a matter of growing some facial hair at some point. <laughs> like, I feel like... He needs to have a couple good years as an offensive coordinator and then and then come in the next year with like a black goatee. Dye it black, Greg Williams style. And uh and then he'll then he'll become a full full blown man. Facial hair. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what his facial grade will be at that point, but as long as Bobby Sloak doesn't put mayonnaise in his coffee, I think he'll be okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh Lamar Jackson is technically available. Uh, for any team to sign, including the Texans. But is he really available? In a rare alliance, Adam Schefter and I think alike and that Lamar Jackson isn't really available. We'll talk about it next. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color, starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. 
Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and the restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. Sean Pendergast is on vacation, so I've got John Harris in today from the Houston Texans and football takeover dot com of course um so as the texans consider what they're going to do at quarterback we we heard a couple things one i believe yeah bobby slowick actually said uh, davis mills name yesterday in the press conference he did yeah. yeah yes he did that was the first time he heard oh. a coach say davis mills name yeah, <laughs> yeah. and we got another quarterback seth Oh, that's right. Yeah, I haven't even mentioned that. Go ahead. Break that news. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> well, that's not breaking news. but yeah. uh, E.J. Perry. Yeah. He went to the greatest university on the face of the earth. Yeah. For Brown University. Yeah, yeah. E.J. Perry. Was he, uh, did he break records at Brown? He, break, oh, he broke every record. His brother was his head coach, James. Yeah. Or his, um, sorry, not his brother, his, his, uh, his uncle, Uncle James, who is... John Perry's brother, John Perry, used to be wide receiver's oh, coach. Oh, all right. So okay. there, are, there are a million Perry's. Yeah. And so John, who used to be Texas wide receiver's coach, his brother James played at Brown after I did. He set every passing record. He then took over as the head coach at Brown. His nephew, E.J. Perry, transferred from Boston College to Brown and broke every one of his records. He is athletically gifted. Yeah. He is athletically gifted. So I'm glad to see him. He, well, I'll put it this way. He's the Brown University version of Jeff Driscoll. Okay. He's an athletic guy. Yeah. But no, okay, gotcha. Um, yeah, well, Bill Lazor, the senior offensive assistant, broke records at Cornell when yeah. I was a freshman. He was a senior. Mm-hmm. And, that, you know, he was doing that out of, like, you know, 21 personnel. Yeah, 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 we're doing that with a fullback on the field, okay? So, yeah, his John, uh, you Bill had a big meathead fullback, too, because I hit him, and I was like, God, look, this guy's a brick house. <laughs> Doug Ingham. Yeah, Bill Lazor. Look, Bill Lazor is, uh, you know, since gone on to be a coach in the NFL for 20 years, but he was once a record-breaking quarterback yes, at Cornell. Course. Back in the old days, uh, his records were broken by guys running spreads. You know, all those, all those guys from back in the day, but we digress. Yes. Um, Lamar Jackson. Oh Technically available uh, to any <laughs> team that wants to part with two uh, two draft picks, two first round draft picks, and give him a contract he'll bite on. This is the biggest thing. I'm not buying any conspiracy theories about there being collusion in the NFL. I know uh, to a lot of people it sounds curious that the Panthers or the Falcons reportedly are out on Lamar Jackson. They wonder why on earth would they? Why would they be in on Deshaun Watson but out on Lamar Jackson? One of the big, big, big factors here is something that Adam Schefter discussed yesterday. I think part of it is the fact that teams know that they feel like that they would just be drawing the offer sheet for the Baltimore Ravens. So if any one of these teams steps forward and says, let's give Lamar Jackson, you make it up, a four-year, $200 million contract, fully guaranteed. Well, Baltimore could have the chance to write it. And there have been many free agents in the past that have been given a tag like this or a restricted free agent where there's an offer sheet where other teams have balked at signing that player to an offer sheet because they don't want to do the work for another team. This is not a Lamar Jackson new phenomena. 
Yeah, and that's um, I you know, and that's exactly what I figured would happen when the Ravens applied the non-exclusive tag. It's that this this is the classic situation where John Harbaugh wants Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson would love to stay in Baltimore. They are at loggerheads when it comes to coming to a deal. So the Ravens say, "All right, listen, go out and see what's available out there." But other teams aren't complete morons. And they know what's up, that the Ravens would like, likely want to re-sign Lamar Jackson. So they don't want uh, to be just some tool that's used by these entities to, to get him back to Baltimore. Like, there's no reason for the Falcons or the Panthers or anybody else to, A, put themselves out there in, into that conversation, and B, do the Ravens a favor in helping them get a deal. They'd much rather, look, they'd, as much as people want to say that teams are holding these contracts down, there's only one team that was dumb enough to give the Deshaun Watson contract, and they're already suffering for yes, it. Exactly. So, yeah, if the Ravens want to give Lamar Jackson that contract, so be it at some point. But teams aren't going to do it. They've already proven they're not going to do it. There have been deals done, three deals done, since Deshaun Watson, where they didn't even come close to the Deshaun Watson numbers. Yeah, absolutely. And and I know we talked, you know, talked earlier about outliers of you know, like Aaron Donald, JJ Water, kind of outliers of guys. You know, Aaron Donald because he's six foot two eighty. Like he's the only guy that could do that. I think this, you know, the Deshaun Watson contract. I think everybody realized right away it was an outlier. And I know people are like, well, wait a second. They start comparing Lamar and Deshaun, and well, yeah, in a logical real world. Yes, Lamar's got a great case to be making more than Deshaun. But Deshaun got that contract because it was the only way that he would ever have considered Cleveland. He told them, I'm out. You guys are out. We're not coming to Cleveland. That was the only way. And then here's what the Falcons, the Panthers, and I guess the Saints, here's what they found out. Deshaun wants a new contract. Yeah, yeah. That was not something <laughs> yeah, that they knew going right. into this. Yeah. They got they traded for him and gave him a new contract. That was yeah, exactly. I it, knew it in the summer. That yeah, he was yeah, for I know. A new contract. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. And so it was like when people would talk about, you know, yeah, it was to get into those sweepstakes it felt like, okay, that's still a pretty salty number that he signed with the Texans, but that's doable. Oh yeah, by the way, uh, he wants a new contract. <laughs> and then when Cleveland found out, they're like, "Oh, okay, we still can get him, but we have to play. We have to pay premium plus." Yeah. Okay, we'll do it. But you're and they no, did you're, it. you're exactly right. The Falcons and the Panthers were out on Deshaun when they found out that they had to give him a contract like that. Right. Which is likewise, like that's where they they don't want to give a contract like that right. to Lamar Jackson, who also I, I and I keep seeing the argument brought up that. Um, which I think a couple are just errant. One is they'll say, well, Lamar Jackson has accomplished more than Deshaun Watson. That's great and all. That was in 2019, and the expectations for Deshaun Watson by a lot of people are simply that he'll be a better quarterback in the next five years than Lamar Jackson will be. Lamar Jackson in the last two years has not combined for the production that he had in 2019. You can blame it on whoever you want, but let's not act like that's exactly who he's been since 2019. The other part of it is that is it like I've seen that, well, it would be an immediate shot in the arm if you bring Lamar Jackson in here. I mean, is it? I mean, was that was that what Russell Wilson was for the Denver Broncos? Yeah. I mean, the 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 um, the Ravens are two games over five hundred in the last two seasons. Has Lamar Jackson been the shot in the arm that made the Ravens an awesome team the last two years? He just he flat out hasn't, and he's missed eight games. Yeah, I think I don't think there's arguing with Lamar as one of the more exciting players in the league. I don't think there's any question in that. And wherever he ends up. I think fans are going to be really excited about what he can do on the field, but I think there are so many factors, and you brought the, the Russell Wilson one, which is not one that I've seen brought up. And I know you can shoot holes in, well, Russell is 33, and he's not as mobile as Lamar, et cetera. Yeah, but Lamar hasn't finished either of the last two years. He's dealt with injuries the last couple of years and has not finished the season, and it's cost the Ravens in the playoffs and to not make the playoffs. So, I mean, that's a that's a big uh, part of this as well. So, I, I think there are so many different factors in this. Now, the, you know, when you argue collusion, that's that's a that's that's a that's a tough one to throw around. I mean, that's 
Well, That's especially a, when it's two teams. There's reports of two teams not being interested in it somehow. Yeah. Like in a league of 32 players, there's reports by two teams that aren't in them. And those are just reports by guys that were as They might very well be interested in them. Um, right. I just like uh, people are way too thirsty for a collusion accusation. Yes, in, in and, it's, and you know it's draft season, so it's also lying season, and that pertains to free agents as well, and it pertains to all that. But the point that Schefter made about not doing the work uh, for the Ravens I could I could completely understand that. You don't want to get taken. You don't want to do all that work, interview him, kind of fall in love with the guy, and then realize, oh no, we're just doing this because he's going to go back to Baltimore. Yeah. So yeah, it, in some sense, it puts Lamar in in one spot, um, and, and maybe in a tough spot, but maybe he ends up back in Baltimore where he's supposed to be. We'll see. Great. There's no more Greg Roman. There's now Todd Munkin. So we'll see what Munkin's able to do with him if he ends up going back, uh, back to Baltimore. But the other aspect is this, and and I don't know that I've ever been a, a shill for agents uh, in any way, shape, or form, but I think this is where an agent would definitely help Lamar to yeah. be able to speak to those teams and say, hey, what you've heard in the media isn't always true. Take an opportunity to sit with Lamar and get to know him and understand what he's all about and what he's, what he's really looking for. Yeah, And he doesn't is, have that. It's just him. Yeah, that's where it's um... – I, there are instances in which a guy representing himself is just fine, like it was with Laramie Tunsil, like it was with Roquan Smith for the Ravens themselves. This is a different situation. Totally different. I don't think – I think you could be the smartest, wisest guy in the NFL, but in an instant like this, you need an agent that teams can trust that – is going to tell you exactly what the deal is, that you're actually, you know, what is the likelihood of him actually coming to you. And then the other thing that an agent can do is he can be discreet about these things. Yes. Or he can also float the names of, like, we know, when, when, if, if Lamar had an agent right now, the reports would not be that nobody is interested in Lamar. Correct. There would definitely be reports of interest in Lamar because that's oh. where those, the, uh, the agents are the guys that float that stuff. Yeah. Um, when Sean is here, we do a hot draft injection every single day at 740 or so. Uh, we were going to continue that now with uh, our own draft expert, oh. John Harris, as he reacts to an aggressive move. An aggressive move by the Colts in the latest mock draft injections. Also, in uh, headlines, the Astros faced Jose Altuve yesterday. We'll explain next. When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we are all realizing that the quality of our air, especially our indoor air, is really darn important. In 30 minutes, Puro Air will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at GetPuroAir.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Tacovis is a terrific boot brand, and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots. But they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. As someone who tries to pursue a minimalist lifestyle, I highly value quality over quantity. And I'm telling you, you can't find a higher quality boot than Tacovis. Their Western boots for men and women are handmade. Handmade from the most premium leathers with over 200 time-honored individual steps. Also, did I mention that they are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade down in the boot-making capital of the world, Leon, Mexico? And also, if you've ever wondered if you can pull off cowboy boots, which is something that I was thinking, you should pull on a pair of Tacovas, and you'll see. Just do a quick search for Tacovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit tacovas.com, that's T E C O V A S.com, and point your toes west. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. 
Sean Pendergast is on vacation, so we've got John Harris in today, and I'm having a blast. I love having John on at any time, but especially this time of year, as we get closer to the NFL draft. Nobody is more plugged in than John. You can check out his website at footballtakeover.com. And John, um, I always I always enjoy getting your input on some of these mock drafts because it's you know that you know that it's uh, it's almost impossible to actually nail these mock drafts, but it's the thinking <laughs> behind it that yeah. goes into it. So as I read to you from CBS Sports, Chris Trapasso's latest mock draft at number one, I want to know what you how you feel the likelihood of this happening is. Um, he has. The Indianapolis Colts trading up to the number one overall spot to draft Anthony Richardson, quarterback out of Florida. Is that is that likely at all? Do you think that Anthony Richardson is up there, Allie? Now, from a coaching fit standpoint, Shane Steichen and Anthony Richardson, oh boy, uh, that could get interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. And I don't know how much I would like that. And, of course, if you put together Chris Ballard's love for elite traits in his players, well, there's Anthony Richardson, too. I was on, uh, actually, in Buffalo, my buddy Sal Capaccio and his partner, he asked me, they they played a clip from Trip, Chris Trapasso talking about that with Anthony Richardson, and this is before Richardson's testing, and I was like, nah, it's crazy. That's just, that's nuts. I'm not moving Richardson in my Harris 100 at all. Not moving him at all. Because what he did on the field at Lucas Oil, I expected that. He still hasn't and won't learn to play quarterback at a higher level until he gets to an NFL team. But I could see teams being lulled into, oh, my gosh, he's so hot. I could see teams <laughs> being lulled into it. So yeah. could I see it going number one? Yeah, I, I could see that happening. Now, here's why I don't think it will happen with the Colts. He's if you Are you going to make him – if he's number one overall – you're basically saying he's our day one. We're ride, we're ride or die with him, and I just can't see that happening. They would have to go find a veteran quarterback, and that would be the fourth year they would find a veteran quarterback to kind of grease the skids before Richardson could take over. Because if Richardson's got to step in day one, I'm like, oh boy, that could be yeah. dicey. So I think that might be that be if they're going to trade up there. I think the Colts would probably want a little bit more ready made product now. The flip side of that is they got Jonathan Taylor, they got a running game. They can always rely on that. So I could see Steichen pushing for it because, you know, Steichen's going to be the head coach for two, three years at a minimum. Ballard doesn't get it right, and he's going to be gone. Yeah. Because things have not gone exceedingly well, especially last year. So it's going to be an interesting talk in the in the draft room because I could see both of them pushing for it. I could see Ballard pushing for a little bit more ready-made product uh, prospect like, Bryce Young, potentially C.J. Stroud, but I do think the Colts are the team that would get to one, and it, I don't see the I don't see the Bears trading beyond four. Like I've seen, like Carolina moving up to number one. I'm like the Bears don't want to go down to nine. They don't want to go down to nine. They've got to get one of these top notch players. They got to get Jalen Carter. They got to get Will Anderson Jr. So they want to get to nine. I mean, may, maybe you could argue five or six or maybe even seven. All the way to nine, they're not going to get the top-level player uh, that they could possibly want at that spot. I don't think. So the Indianapolis Colts make the most sense for the Bears, and I think that's where they could get a pretty decent return on that as well. So with Anthony Richardson off the board, the Texans presumably would have the pick of who a lot of people consider the top two picks in the draft, C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. The Texans, in Chris Trapasso's latest mock draft, take Bryce Young, quarterback from Alabama, who supposedly weighs 205 pounds more than just for several seconds at the at the combine. Well, Mark mentioned something that was interesting, and you could see it when Bryce got off the stage. He talks about Charlie Casserly. See, the lowers. He talks about his lower body. He's pretty thick downstairs. Yeah. I mean, for for a guy 5'10 in an eighth or whatever. But no, is, no, that's actually, no, a lot of, yeah. Like, he's it, pretty he thick doesn't, downstairs. Yeah, yeah. And I'll take that. I mean, thick with two C's so that's cool but yeah so he's not um I I guess I I wanted to ask your impression of that of seeing him on you know in person at the combine with some added mass like walking around did it look like he was a guy that had actually put on some weight yeah um or in in a good way yeah I think so I mean I I don't he wasn't bulky yeah but and I mean 
pants. Because he was wearing a hoodie the whole time and everything. Yeah. I was expecting him to show up, you know, sleeveless and showing off the new guns. Yeah, and his new tattoo. I weigh 200 pounds, apparently, is yeah. his new yeah. tattoo. Um, but no, you, you can, I mean, I look at, oh God, I don't want to say this because this is just going to be a hot key, but in draft talk, you, you look at those things. You look at a guy's trunk and his legs and how he's put together. And yep. I was with Mark. I I. I agree with that totally. When I saw him, I was like, man, he's thicker down below than, than I expected a guy that's just at 200 pounds to be. So I don't know that he totally bulked up, but I felt like he was built much better than I had expected. Well, I felt, I've always felt like Jalen Hurts, if you look at his frame, his actual frame, he's not a big dude per se, like naturally, but he's right. been a competitive weightlifter since he was yeah. in high school yeah. and he works his butt off, you know, to where he's, he's turning like Drew Brees was the same way. Drew Brees was a guy that was 207 or so at one right. point and, and worked his way up there. So I guess if I, I just, I would hate, I just hate that, you know, Bryce Young waited until after his college career was over to start hitting the weight room hard. You yeah, know, like if you, I, yeah. you knew this was going to be an issue. Now, if he went to modern he went to modern day, he went to Alabama. Yeah. He's been working out. Yeah, yeah. He's been he's been working out. Modern day is you know, for people in Houston, modern day is kinda it's like Katie. You know, Katie football. I mean, he's been working out forever. That's what he did at modern day. He's just but, but there's a difference between working out and like working out to put yeah, on yeah, mass, yeah. you know. And I don't know that he was really trying to put on a a ton of mass. I think he's probably yeah. been 195, floating in a 195 to 200 range, and you know probably had a few pancakes that morning and knew he wasn't throwing, so he wasn't working out. So you might as well put on a few pounds. You can lose it a little bit before you go to pro day, and th- the scouts will figure that out. And here's the thing, and I heard I'm going to give Landry Locker all the credit in the world for this. He said this yesterday, and he's dead on. And and I've I've talked about this. Bryce Young missed one game. In two years as a starter at Alabama, he faced Georgia twice. He faced LSU twice. He faced Tennessee twice. He faced all these teams a number of times. He missed one game. He missed the A&M game. That's it. He missed one game. Anthony Richardson missed multiple games because he got hurt dancing. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, and again, yeah, that goes back to, okay. I'm dropping the proverbial mic as we speak. With Shane Steichen taking, you know, taking Anthony Richardson number one overall, it, it, with a lot of people thinking, "Hey, that you know, look at what he did with Jalen Hurts." I feel like people are vastly undercounting how mature Jalen Hurts oh. is. You know, like the leadership ability, all these other things to make up for his stature and his throwing ability. Like he's just he's a rare dude when it comes to the off the field stuff or the you know the. The intangibles, and it's just not clear that Anthony Richardson is. Did you see in the Super Bowl, Seth, there was there was a review for the Eagles, I can't remember which one it was. I think it was a Devontae Smith catch, but it was in the first half. And Sirianni, Nick Sirianni, the Eagles coach, the camera's right on him and Hurts, and they're kind of standing there waiting for it. And Sirianni must have gotten word that it was a first down. And Sirianni, you see him, like, do the signal of first down, you know? Yeah. And he does it with his left arm, like, right behind Jalen. And Jalen just grabs his arm and just, kind of, like, pushes it down. <laughs> All right, Coach, come on. Let's yeah, get like, back on track. Coach, relax, dude. Wait, stop. Okay. And I'm All like, right, so- when, when Hurts is the most mature guy in the yeah. building, that's, that's a good thing. But you bring up a, a great point, and this is something that none of us in the draft world are going to know. We'll have to rely on anecdotes and things of that magnitude. Which guy is the mature guy? Which guy is the leader of men that can walk in a huddle and everybody hangs on what that guy says? Mm-hmm. And even though Bryce is 5'10 and 8th and you know 200 pounds, when he walks in a huddle, those guys are listening. It happened in modern yeah. day. It happened at Alabama. That's just the way he's, he's always been. He could step to a room of, you know, large men and tell them this is how we're going to do it. And he doesn't do it. I mean, Jalen, I think, is a little bit more forceful. But Jalen also squats 600 pounds. So, I mean, that just makes you more of a dude. But I don't know that Stroud does that. I've never really gotten a vibe of Stroud that way. I've seen Levis do that on the sideline. I know Levis has got that that club in his bag. And I have no idea about Anthony Richardson. None whatsoever. Um, but that's one of the aspects that I'd like to know. In an interview, I want to know... How do you lead 
How do you lead adult men? How do you step in the huddle as the quarterback and become that leader? I thought it was interesting, Seth, speaking of Jalen Hurts, the Eagles posted his combine interview on their on their team channel. Yeah. And it was the interview, and the first question was, why should we draft you? And he kind of went on for a couple minutes, and the things that he talked about are all the things that he does now. You know, he talked, he's like, I'm a dog. And he was like, I'm the first in the weight room. I'm the first in the meeting room. I'll yeah. be the guy that will will learn the most. I'll be that guy. And I just thought it was really interesting listening to Jalen Hurts and wondering, okay, what other quarterback interviews sound like that? Because if that guy can play and has those qualities, I want that guy. Yeah. I want to do well, something a, with him. I think there are a lot of guys that can that can give that speech, but it's not backed up by what their coaches say about right. him. Yeah. You know, where no, like there are, a lot of, there are a lot of guys <laughs> – I told uh, – I've told this story before, but I interviewed a, a young woman for uh, a position once, and uh, one of the questions she asked me in the interview was, it is, "Was it okay if she showed up 15 minutes early every day because she liked to get organized and everything?" <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, certainly." I was very impressed with her. Uh, first day of work, she She's was late. five minutes late. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's so the, good. In Christopher Passo's uh, mock draft on CBS Sports. After mock draft, after mock draft, pre-combine of teams having the Texans take either Quentin Johnston or Jordan Addison, the two wide receivers, uh, we're starting to see this a lot more. With the number 12th overall pick, the Texans select wide receiver out of Ohio State, Jackson, Jackson Smith and Jigba. I know Landry's been, been, been pounding that drum, and, you know, it's a – I'll say this. I love it, actually. I, I love Jackson Smith and Jigba. He was my he was my wide receiver one going into the season. Uh, above Addison, above Johnson, he was my wide receiver one going into the season. I loved what he did at Ohio State. And Landry has actually quoted the, the clip that I, I've talked about a lot about him, and that is Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, who did pretty well last year's rookies. When they were asked who's the most athletic of those three, they immediately pointed at JSN and was like, that guy. I'm like, hmm, okay. When you're around a guy for years, and then you go, yeah, that guy, you pretty much know. And, look, I don't think Smith and Jig was going to run in the 4-3 range. Maybe not in the 4-4 range. But he played in the slot a lot at Ohio State. You know why? Because Olave and Wilson were on the outside. Yeah. That's why he played in the slot. And he's got dynamic change of direction skills. Uh, can I interest you in some numbers, Stat? Stat Seth. Yeah. Stat Nerd Seth. Yeah. Uh, Stat Nerd Seth. Jackson Smith and Jigba. Now, the two um, the two tests that are used for change of direction as it pertains to the NFL Combine are the uh, short shuttle, 20-yard shuttle, five one way, 10 the other, five back. Jackson Smith and Jigba put on an absolute show. He had a sub- uh, three. What was it? Three nine three. A sub four second short oh, wow. shuttle. Yeah. And his three cone. Have you ever seen a three cone? It's. I think that's. I love the three cone. He had a six five seven three cone. That's nothing but change of direction. Yeah. So if he comes out and runs a four five forty, I don't. I don't care because once you get the ball in his hands, he's got such subtle moves to make people miss. After the catch, to me, is when he gets exciting. And, oh, by the way, he can play in the slot. But he's going to play on the outside at 6'1", 200. Go look up what DeAndre Hopkins was at the combine. In fact, I'll do that as I speak. DeAndre Hopkins at the combine was not much bigger. And DeAndre Hopkins, the last I looked, was an outside receiver. He plays on the inside because they had those two other guys. So he can play outside. And I think he would play just fine. Okay, now Hop was a little bigger. He was 214. But you're talking 6'1", 200 pounds. I mean, those are guys that can play on the outside. He's a slot. He's an outside guy. He's got dynamic run-after-the-catch ability. And, Seth, if I were to ask you what were the, what were the things the Texans could use on offense, all of those 
Yeah, yeah. Could work. The, All the of run them. after the catch, especially, if you think of San Francisco's offense last year and playing a potentially a rookie quarterback or whoever it might be, that, that run after the catch ability sounds really, really nice. Um, and, yeah, and, I, and I know exactly what you're talking about with that, that shiftiness afterwards. Um, it's just it's rare to see. And it's, uh, it's, nice that, it's nice to sometimes be able to throw short of the sticks and it actually working out. Yeah. Instead of just an easy, an easy uh, wrap-up of Rex Burkhead or whoever you've decided to throw short, to, short of the sticks with on, on any given down. So, Seth, when I did my comp on JSN back in uh, August – so I usually do, or I try to do a Harris 100 in August, kind of set the stage for the season. And then I get through the season. I'm like, okay, what do I need to change? Well, Jason didn't play any games during the season. He got hurt in the Notre Dame game early and didn't play the rest of the year. Hamstring, ankle, I don't know what it was. There was some talk about whether he could play or not. Uh, you look, Nick Bosa did the same thing. Nobody squawked about it. Not squawking about JSN. The first comp I had to JSN, ironically, San Francisco 49ers, wide back, Debo Samuel. Hmm. Then I thought more about it, and I was like, you know, I don't know. I'm not totally sure. When I thought about yards after the catch, I mean, I think he's close to Samuel. I think Samuel's thicker. Okay, maybe that's a little rich comparing him to Debo Samuel. And then I watched Amon Ross St. Brown from the Lions this year. And I thought, that's kind of JSN's game. It's kind of inside, it's outside. Amon Ra has been really good after the catch. He's been incredibly productive. And that's where I settled my comp on him was Amon Ra St. Brown. Now, I think JSN's a little bigger maybe, but not by much. And I wasn't in love with St. Brown coming out of college because I thought he was too easily guarded. But what he's shown me with the Lions is that he's incredible after the catch. And that's where I really kind of found the comparison from JSN. So I ask you Texans fans, would you like – Lions wide receiver Amon Ross St. Brown, who's caught over 190 passes, 196 to be exact, in two years. Would that work for you? I think it would work for me. Yeah, yeah, that's what that would that would. That would definitely work celebrate and save at ashley's anniversary sale with hot buys your choice of color starting at just 3.99 ashley sleep mattresses starting at 250 plus receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like stearns and foster temper pedic purple and beauty rest black with 60 month special financing only at ashley subject to credit approval no minimum purchase required minimum monthly payment down payment tax and delivery may be required see store for details Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ucalypt speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.